I'm sure that many of you remember the great comedian Red Skelton. He performed back in the days when most comics did not feel the need to use a lot of four-letter words in their comedy routines. Yes, those, those were the good old days, the bad old days now when they do feel like they have to use those four-letter words. I read an interesting story about Red Skelton this past week. It seems that one day back in 1951, he was on a plane traveling to Europe to do a show. On the way, the plane was flying over the Alps, and all of a sudden, the engines failed. Three of the engines failed, and the plane began to go down. Needless to say, the situation looked rather bleak, and a lot of the people on the plane began to spontaneously pray. As for Red Skelton, he just decided to respond to all of this in the way, the best way he knew how. He did a comedy routine to try to distract the passengers from the impending disaster. It was like the orchestra that played on the Titanic as the ship was sinking in the North Atlantic. Well, thankfully, at the last moment, the pilot spotted a large field between two of the mountains there in the Alps, and he was able to land the plane safely in that field. When the ordeal was finally over, Red stood up in typical Red Skelton style, and he said, Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may return to all the evil habits you gave up 20 minutes ago. Which brings us to this morning's Gospel reading from John chapter 20. Today, as I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, which was the event we heard about in our first reading this morning from Acts chapter 2. This was the moment when the promise Jesus had made to his apostles at the Last Supper was completely fulfilled. This was the moment of the first confirmation, when the Holy Spirit descended on these men and gave them new power in their lives, new power to proclaim the gospel, new power to live the gospel, new power to defend the gospel. This was the moment when they received gifts, spiritual gifts from heaven, gifts that they would need to carry out the mission the Lord had given them to change the world, to spread the gospel message to all people. Gifts of faith, hope, and charity, first and foremost, but also the seven gifts of the Spirit mentioned in Isaiah 11. We just sang about them in the sequence. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, etc. As well as the charismatic gifts, like tongues and prophecy and healing. The Spirit empowered them in this spectacular event, and they were transformed. Suddenly, they weren't afraid of their own shadows anymore, as they had been. Suddenly, they were not intimidated by the culture in which they were living. Instead, they made the decision to use the gifts the Spirit gave them that day and change the culture they were living in, in a positive way, from the inside. Which is precisely what we're supposed to do in our culture today with the anointing we receive at our confirmation. But it's not magic. We have to understand that. It's not magic. Notice I said the apostles 
made the decision to use the gifts of the Spirit to work for positive change. The fact is, you can receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit at Confirmation, as a lot of our young people do today, and do absolutely nothing positive with those graces. In that case, you certainly will be intimidated by the culture we're living in right now, and eventually you will be overcome, overwhelmed by it, overpowered by it. And this unfortunately happens more often than not these days. And if you need some proof, just get a hold of some of the statistics on how many confirmed Catholic young people support things like abortion and transgenderism and so-called gay marriage. At this point, I'll bet it's way over 50%. And that's tragic. But as important as it is to receive and use the gifts of the Spirit in our lives, there's something even more basic that the Spirit brings to us. Which is why Jesus did not wait until Pentecost to begin pouring out the Spirit on his first priests. As we heard in today's Gospel, Jesus first sent the Spirit to his apostles way back on Easter Sunday, a full 50 days before Pentecost. And why did he do that? Very simply, so that they could forgive sins in his name. The Spirit was given first so that sins could be forgiven, which should make perfect sense, because if a person is steeped in sin, any spiritual gifts he might have aren't going to matter. They're not going to matter at all. This is something, by the way, that Red Skelton definitely understood. He understood that forgiveness is primary, and that forgiveness is necessary. It's why he said what he said on that plane back in 1951. Red Skelton knew that when the passengers on that aircraft thought they were about to die, most of them were not especially interested in how much wisdom or knowledge they possessed or whether they could pray in tongues or not. What they were most concerned with at that moment was where they stood before God. And it was that concern which led them to want to give up what Red called their quote-unquote evil habits. That is to say, the sins they had committed but not repented of. Red Skelton knew. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. Whose sins you retain are retained. This is where priests get the power to forgive sins in the sacrament of reconciliation. So, my brothers and sisters, if you want to determine how active the Holy Spirit is in your life at any given point, the first question you should ask yourself is not, what spiritual gifts do I have? Uh-uh. The very first question you should ask yourself is, how repentant am I? How repentant am I for my sins? And how often do I express that repentance humbly, and sincerely and honestly by bringing those sins to Jesus in the sacrament of the confession. 
It's my simple prayer this morning that in the future the Holy Spirit will be very, very, very active both in your life and in mine.